The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by 3Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI-powered and UX-focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com. Empire. Hoops 2.0 blew up during the pandemic. Players from other teams in the league are actually engaging with fans one-on-one. And that, that's, that's a level of access, I think, is really important for us to maintain. Um, but the other thing I'd say is there's a somewhat of an expectation that our fans have a voice in what they're watching. That's Brendan Donahue, the managing director of the NBA 2K League, where NBA owners going all in early led to a head start in the league's esports boom. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Brendan Donahue has been working in sales and marketing with the NBA since the 1990s. Video games featuring basketball, that's really nothing new. But the gaming industry became a content play in recent years, and like a number of other initiatives, the NBA collectively embraced that opportunity early. And during the pandemic, it was a necessary fallback to the loss of the real games. Our guest this week is the managing director of the NBA 2K League, Brendan Donahue. Brendan, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Bram. I appreciate it. Uh, how are you hanging in there? Pandemic, cultural revolution. Boy, there's a lot going on in the world right now. <laughs> there is. And I will say uh, it, it, uh, it hasn't slowed down the amount of work we have to do. You know, as, as you might know, our season has continued on. And so we have a, uh, another, another slate of games tonight. So no rest for the weary. You know, we've talked to a lot of people in the esports landscape, and I hate using the word opportunity, but it's the only word that really kind of comes to mind when you talk about what's going on right now with most of the live sports. I know some of them are opening up as we were taping now, but most of them have been shut down. Can you kind of talk about what has changed for you in terms of the opportunity as there is an appetite for sports? Yeah, listen, and I'm seeing every angle of it because obviously I'm inside it. I'm inside the the broader NBA umbrella with the W and the G League and et cetera. And so, um, you know, I mean, it's what's been interesting for us is, what, you know, um, what we view this as is an opportunity only to simply because the stage is wide open. You know, there's a lot of people who are sitting there who are sports fans, and all of a sudden there's an empty stage. And so we're leaning into it. And so and it's been a really interesting opportunity for us. Certainly our core fans are back. Um, but then we have a really unique opportunity to um, just get exposed to a lot of new fans. And so it, it, it's actually forced us to even adjust our content because now we know at any given point more than half our audience is new to the league. And so it's, it's really been an interesting challenge for us, but it's, it's, we welcome the opportunity. Um, so can you be specific? How did you change your content? What were some of the things that you did once COVID-19 hit? So um, what was really a transformational moment for us was uh, when we um, when we agreed with ESPN2 to have a, a good slate of our games on ESPN2. And so um, with that new audience coming on board, big sports audience, casual sports fans, 
Um, we started to actually shift a lot of our content to just one-on-one content. So, I mean, fortunately for us, the 2K League is a really accessible, approachable product. Um, if you've watched basketball, you can understand the 2K League. But, so, but having said that, we wanted to let the, the, the fans know what a great player looks like. You know, what is he doing? You know, um, you know and, and give them some, you know, some, some one-on-one content on gameplay, on what the players are doing with their hands to actually to, to do these unique and special things. Um, and then also we wanted to give a little bit of, of history of the league. So just kind of a, you're starting, you're starting watching for the first time in year three. What exactly happened in the first two seasons? Um, and also to give them a glimpse of, um, you know, we are playing remotely from, you know, from our players' uh, homes and their markets or their facilities. Um, but we have a, a whole different product in our New York studio that we also want to give them a taste of because that's really kind of kind of what would be considered our normal product in the first two seasons. For those who aren't familiar with the studio, can you kind of talk about what is emanating out of that right now? Nothing. <laughs> we we had we have a very elaborate setup uh, that I'll, I'll have to send to you. But it, it's a uh, you know we have a very unique esports setup. We have a circular stage where our two teams of five players each are facing each other um, about you know ten feet apart from each other, and uh, it creates an amazing atmosphere in a studio here in Manhattan. Um, where where our players are out there playing 2K, but they're you know they're 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 up they're up they're standing up they're shouting, they're talking trash to each other. Yeah. I mean it's a totally different physical environment that adds a layer of complexity to the experience. And so that's the one piece I, I really am excited for the fans that have watched us this season so far to experience in person. Um, let me talk about the just the the idea of kind of being all in from an NBA perspective into the esports side of this. Um, basketball video games are not new. This obviously is very modern and is caught on as very popular. Um, at what point was there kind of a turn for the league to go, you know what, like we really need to be invested in this as part of our future globally? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. So I, I would say that, you know, the, the, the really the leaders here in many ways have been, you know, the, the board of governors of the NBA, kind of the, our, our NBA owners, um, because what started to happen was, many of our teams own their own arenas. And so all of a sudden, you know, they were booking these, you know, the League of Legends events and, you know, in, in Los Angeles at the Staples Center or Madison Square Garden, and they're selling out, you know, in minutes. And so our NBA owners started coming to, to board of governor meetings saying, hey, we need to go, we need to look closer at this esports, you know, this growing esports ecosystem. And so um, it, it started there. And then, um, and really we looked into, you know, esports for, you know, and, and uh, and, and kind of as a media company looking at esports as an opportunity, and and what we ended up kind of coming to the conclusion was, yes, this is a incredibly quick growing space, and number two, we actually we have a game that's the biggest sports game in North America that we could you know we could leverage, and so um, uh, so uh, so at that point, um, you know we uh, we aligned with our owners, and you know we decided to open the 2K league, and we thought we'd have eight or twelve teams. We actually ended up with 17 that, that raised their hand as wanting to join the league. Yeah. Uh, in, in season two, we added four more teams to go to 21. And in this season, season three, we have 23 teams, uh, 22 that are NBA owned. And then we have our first non-NBA owner, uh, the Gen G Tigers of Shanghai, huh. who are a very strong uh, organization in esports. Um, and, and they were a great partner for us to bring on board. So you, you mentioned League of Legends, obviously, that might be arguably the most popular game in the world going right now. And it is selling out arenas and the audiences on Twitch and other mediums are, are massive. 
as you look at sports, you know, clearly this is going to be something that's very popular with sports fans. Do you think there is a way to broaden it and broaden the NBA reach through esports to people who aren't the typical regular normal basketball fans? Sure. I mean, I, I, the way we look at it, there's you know, we think there's 2K players who are obvious. We think there's NBA fans, and then we think there's esports fans. And so, you know, we think there's an opportunity for with each one of those segments for us to potentially appeal to. Um, and and as one of the reasons why Twitch was such an interesting partner for us out of the gates was, you know, they are, they are the preeminent esports platform, you know, streaming wise. And so, uh, you know, for, for us to partner with them, we thought it was a good opportunity for one to, to be streaming to, to 2K League fans, but then also, you know, for the casual esports fan that is going there for two hours a day, you know, and when they go to the kind of the, the, the menu of items that are open, we think they, you know, they might click on the 2K League. And, and 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 take a look at it, take a look at our games, and so a, a good portion of our audience actually is coming through just the broader esports channel. So maybe this is too early to ask this, but you know there hasn't been sports. Um, you guys have filled a gap here in a lot of ways. Have you seen exponential growth in audience? Like what has been the results over the last few months? Absolutely. I mean, um, and just you know, certainly ESPN to and Sportsnet in Canada are kind of on linear stations were a big boost for us, but just put them to the side for a second. Just our, just apples to apples, just our Twitch audience from season two to season three has nearly doubled. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, we, we've seen a significant amount of growth uh, on those channels. And then when you add in the, you know, the kind of our, our linear audience, it's exponentially higher. I mean, uh, um, so yeah, we've, we've definitely seen an inc- a pretty significant increase in um in our audience year over year we're seeing it across not just our our live game content but also on our social channels as well and so yeah we're really we're definitely bringing in a new in, in new audience you know as we're taping now obviously the hope is a lot of sports are going to come back the nba is in a lot of discussions right now to come back and finish out this season in whatever form that is going to look like but um do you see a future where esports becomes part of the espn catalog more frequently now even when the normal games come back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it has to be, I mean, the, the, and fortunately, you know, the, the, you know, ESPN has such a broad array of networks and offerings that they can kind of bring different fans, what they're looking for. Um, I just think we're entering into a phase where the end consumer knows, knows what they want and they, and they're going to go find it. And so, you know, I think, you know, ESPN views esports as a significant opportunity. And then they also view, I think I think where the 2K league is interesting is we kind of toe the line, um, where you know we are a very easy to understand uh, product for a sports fan to, to consume. You don't you don't have you don't have to have played 2K to watch our games and enjoy them. Yeah, that's a pretty it's a pretty unique product in the esports space for us to be able to say that. So I think um, actually I think while I think a, a, um, a lot of success in esports is on is streaming. Um, I think we do have an interesting uh, opportunity on linear to kind of bring in a more casual audience. So tell me a little bit about the presentation of it. Um, You know, we're all accustomed to what an NBA game is going to look like. Um, When you view it from the the view of the NBA 2K League and esports, how do consumers, how do viewers want to consume the product? I think the biggest 
thing that our viewers want is connectivity. Um, and, and I, and I say that in terms of they, they, they're sure they're watching a game and they love watching the game, but they're all, they're immediately immersed into a community. And so, uh, if I'm watching the game on Twitch, you know, it's hard to resist engaging in the Twitch chat. And so, you know, you're, there's constantly people talking to each other about the action that's going on. And so that's a really, you know, kind of a, a different, you know, for a traditional sports fan, that interactivity may happen on, on, a, on a second platform. Like, well, maybe you're, you know, maybe there's activity going on Twitter while I'm watching the NBA finals, but to actually have interaction live with other fans in a communal way, watching the game, that's a really interesting experience. And I think, and I think the age of, you know, our, our, our audience wants that. And they, they kind of expect that. And so um, I think, and, and by the way, even more, what's even more interesting is, you know, say for example, tonight, you know, tonight there's two teams playing in the 2K league. If there's, you know, one of the players, you'll see, in fact, not one, you'll see several players that aren't playing tonight. They will be watching themselves and engaging in the Twitch chat. <laughs> so imagine, you know, imagine watching a game where like players from other teams in the league are actually engaging with fans one-on-one. And that, that's, that's a level of access. I think is really important for us to maintain. Um, but the other thing I'd say is there's a somewhat of an expectation that our fans have a voice in what they're watching. And so oftentimes um, we'll see suggestions in the Twitch chat of, hey, I want to see this camera angle or I want to, there's two games going on. I really want to watch this game and see the ending. It's getting tight. Where we'll, you know, where we'll listen directly to our fans and let them have a voice in what they're watching. And I'm telling when we make those adjustments, they flip out. I mean, like they, the fact that they actually have an impact on what they're watching, or like we'll, we'll switch camera angles based on requests. Um, it, it's it, it creates one, it creates much stronger engagement. But number two, it, it just it makes the fans feel hurt. I mean, it's an interesting level of flexibility you have in the e world. I, I I can foresee a time where the linear traditional game broadcasters come to you and say, "How do we do this in the real games?" Right? I mean, is there some kind of synergy oh, that mean, may it, occur? It's it, it's not it's not far off. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, listen, there's already, you know, there's already NBA action and G League action on Twitch now and any already. So, um, you know, there's, there's channels, uh, each of our leagues has channels across Twitch. So it's, it's only quite, I mean, it's a question of how normal it becomes versus if it happens. You know, it's funny because we've talked to a lot of people about second screen experiences of what's coming here down the road. And especially with this, you know, this shutdown, which gives, I think, a lot of people an opportunity to think about what they want to do when everything does reopen and get back to normal once again. Does the second, I mean, the second screen always seems to come down to people talking about fantasy gaming, gambling, other types of social interaction, but all based around the real live games that are happening. Could you foresee something where the second screen experience involves esports that may even involve the two teams that are playing in the real game that night? Possibly. Um, I actually think the the direction I think we could take our own fan experience to multiple screens is a little bit different. I, I actually think we could. I could see, you know, with, with the the um, with kind of the direct to consumer. Um, kind of uh, experience becoming just more expected and fans getting what they want when they want it and how they want it. I actually could see us offering a 2K league game with our announcers. Yeah. Or if you want to watch it on this channel, you might get two influencers and, and, they, and they'll be covering the action or you might get it in a different language. I mean, I think, I think, I think that's, 
I could see us going more that direction of different versions of our game based on how people want to consume it. Um, your viewers, do they want to see the professional gamers? Are they interested in seeing NBA players play the games? Have you got a sense of what people are looking for in terms of who they want to view playing esports? Sure. I mean, I guess it's kind of two different questions there. So one, anything NBA players do, people want to watch. Um, so, I mean, we, we had you know, NBA players a couple months ago playing horse on ESPN. Yeah. And people were watching it. So anything NBA players want to, anything NBA players do, People love watching it because they're just so fascinated by the stardom of the NBA players. Um, for us, um, our game is, is, and I don't know, I'm not, I'm not sure how, how uh, intimately you know our game, but the, you know, our 2K league game is actually, it's, it's five on five. Um, it's five players versus five players, and they're playing as their own avatars. So they're not playing, uh, you know, they're not playing LeBron versus Steph. They're playing as ten unique avatars that they actually huh. uh, that, 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 that they actually control. So all ten players on the virtual court are controlled by a human being. So you could basically be in charge of your own career, essentially, is what you're saying. You could be LeBron. Well, I mean, our players, they, our players, they have their own avatar and right. their own image that they want to they want to embody. So it's, they have different they have a different flair, they have different hair, they have different huh. headbands, and and it's it, it, it's the kind of the personality they want to embody on the digital court. So it's uh, in many cases it doesn't look anything like that. Yeah. Um, so it, it's uh, you know it's yeah it's, it's interesting it's, and that's all kind of born out of the two K game and the whole my career experience where you create your own player, um, you build them up, you can join the team. You know it, it, it's kind of part of that storytelling that exists in the two K game. And that spills over into our league. You know, it's interesting. It's like a, it's a wild diversion because in the past it was every video game was, well, I'm going to be James Harden or I'm going to be LeBron James or I'm going to be Kevin Durant or whoever you choose to be. And you put your skill with their skill. This is different. You're, you're, you're making your own career out of this thing. Certainly. And, and but listen, that optionality still all exists. I mean, if I, if I go play the 2K game, I can still be James Harden right. or LeBron James. I can go play five on five versus nine other people around the world, or I might want to play three on three in the park versus, you know, uh, and I want to control one player I could play against. So uh, 2K does a great job of creating that kind of the, the options and the kind of the end, the end kind of direct to consumer experience we talked about before. So what do you guys have in coming up this summer and into the fall? I know you have some tournaments coming up. You have a draft, right? So why don't you tell people what's happening with the 2K league? Sure. So, uh, you know, as, as we added two more teams this, this past uh, going into the season, we had 23 teams um, back in February that came to New York, um, where we had a draft, and so we had we had a, a you know a venue in Manhattan where you know it was you know fully uh, fully decked out. Uh, players came all dressed up to the nines. Um, <laughs> so it's, you know, and I know I think are you in Washington D.C.? I am right outside of it. Yeah. Yeah. So so uh, uh, Wiz District Gaming, uh, yep. the Washington Wizards team, they had the number one pick overall. Uh, you know, and and so. Uh, oftentimes I go, I, I announce the pick and, and, and we do it that way. The number one pick in the draft though, which, uh, uh, Wiz District had actually Ted Leontis, their, their chairman, he actually, uh, he was, he streamed into the event and he made the, he announced the first pick of the draft. That's wild. <laughs> no, it was, it was great. I mean, we, we had several celebrities. We had, uh, Steve Smith did some picks for Hawks gaming, Hawks talent gaming. Um, uh, you know, there was um, Kamiki Catching did a pick for Patriots Gaming. Yeah, we had celebrities coming in from all over. Actually, we made picks for the team on occasion throughout the draft. So, 
um, and some influencers, musicians, etc. So that was the draft. That was, so we really do our, our best to make that draft night um, really feel like they've made it. Like I said, it's that special moment where you go from playing, you know, casually or playing, you know, from your home to really entering the big stage of the 2K League. And that's the, that's really the first big moment where they they become professional athletes. And so that happened in February. Then they report to, you know, our teams, we have 23 teams. All, uh, all teams have six players. They have a starting five and they have a sixth player. Um, they all go to their respective 23 markets. So they're living, you know, the Blazer five team is living in Portland. Um, and, and so they practice together. They, they, they watch films together. They work out together. Um, and so, um, under normal circumstances, the, the, the 23 teams then would fly to New York on a consistent basis to compete in our studio this year, just given the fact that, you know, you know, in mid March, our season was about to start in 10 days. It just no longer became a safe option. So we had to pivot away from uh, playing in New York. And so we actually, uh, we, uh, our teams are playing remotely. So they're playing from their facilities in some cases, their houses. Um, and we, you know, we have games every you know, Tuesday through Friday, seven to 11. And they're, uh, they're, you know, they're playing from their respective markets against other teams across the country. How would someone go about getting discovered to be drafted to one of these teams? So it, it, it depends. I and mean, there's, there's uh, several different ways we, you know, we have, uh, we have, at our core, we have what we call the combine. And the combine is where you, you literally, from your home, in the game, all you need is a console and, uh, and a controller. You can, uh, you can try out from your home. Um, you know, to put it in perspective, the first season, we had 72,000 players try out for the league from home. Wow. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, so players try out. And what we do is they have to play a minimum of 50 games um, against top competition. Excuse me. Um, and um, what we do is we, you know, we we scrape roughly you know fifty plus stats on each player in every single game, and then you know we have a, a third party to kind of build an algorithm and, and evaluate each player. And at the end of the combine, it's, you know, it spits out you know you know a couple hundred players um, that were the best performers, and then we we have our teams interview them. Uh, we you know we do background checks. They get interviewed, and then they you know if they're good enough, they get entered into into the draft pool. Mm. And so that's kind of what what led to February when we had our draft. Um, uh, that's that's one way that's one way players can get in. We also do let teams we let teams host local tournaments. Yeah, and then um, um, from those tournaments, we we allow teams to choose two players that um, they they basically were the were the MVPs of that tournament that also get access to the draft pool. So there's um, so that's that's another way, and then the third way is um, you know we, we are um, we are a global league, and so we actually hosted two tryouts um, physically outside of the U.S. So uh, we had a tryout in London, and then um, uh, this this past December, and then we had a tryout in Seoul, Korea, um, in January, and so that was that's for this season. And both, out of both of those, we I think we only think we found five or six players. Uh, to enter into into our draft pool from each of those regions, um, out of a, you know, we actually narrowed it down to about 20 players that were actually part of the the tryouts there, um, and then we came away with roughly five or six from each group. Um, and then uh, and then last year we actually hosted one in um, in Hong Kong. So you know, it, it, you know we were trying to find make sure we're finding the best players in the world, and so part of that is 
Um, you're not getting the David Stern treatment at the draft or you don't get booed. There's nothing like that, right? When you, if you're going to announce a pick. It's only a matter of time. Right. Not yet. Not yet. I've maintained you know, the, the ability to not get booed yet. Yeah, you're still not even period. Uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> um, we'll end on this. What's the global vision for you? What do you see in five to ten years for the 2K League? So I think it's truly a global league. So I think we would have, I envision us having a Asia Pacific division, a European division, South American division, and then the North American division. And it's one giant league. And we have mixed gaming playing the Gen G Tigers of Shanghai. And we have tournaments in the U S tournaments in Europe and Asia, et cetera. Um, and, uh, you know, talking about a 45 plus team league that's uh, playing 2k at the highest level. And so, um, and, 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 and kind of all joining the kind of the NBA family of brands. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the vision right now. Do you foresee a day where the global audience is bigger for the 2k league than it is for the NBA playoffs? <laughs> I wish. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it, 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 it's just good for basketball. I mean, yeah. you know, we think, you know, we think, uh, you know, uh, as, as the, it's kind of rising tide raise all both as the NBA does great as 2k does well the 2K League will, will be there with them. So whoever is kind of driving the ship up at any given point is just good for the overall, kind of the overall group. Brendan Donahue is the Managing Director of the NBA 2K League. Thanks so much for joining us, Brendan. Graham, thank you. On the next Future Sport Podcast, the gaming side of NASCAR. And that's why we've, we've invested so heavily in the esports world is that I, I'm certain that if we do it right, um, it can be an entry point to the sport. Um, you know, this is a, um, you know, it, it's a sport that not everyone grows up playing. That's Scott Warfield, the managing director of social and digital content for NASCAR. We're going to talk about the virtual success that the sport had during its hiatus earlier this year and deal with some of the societal issues that the sport has taken head on. For now, that will do it for us. Remember, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. The Future Sport Podcast is brought to you by Three Advance, developers of sports tech apps that are AI powered and UX focused. So if you're looking to create some apps for your startup or your sports biz calls for some artificial or business intelligence, you should check out 3Advance. They're incredible. Go to 3Advance.com. That's the number 3Advance.com.